Hi, homebodies. What's up, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> I don't like saying it. Okay. Well, what's up, homebodies? How are we doing today? Do we have a good weekend? Do you have a good week? Everyone's back to school, right? For yeah. a little bit of time. For, for all you time. youngins. For all you youngins. For all the people our age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just probably got, got off of This your... is my last week of classes. And for you, Seth, is it your last week of your class too? Um, actually, I'm starting two classes this week online. So. Oh. Yeah. Word. Yeah, word. So um, we have some topics kind of stored in the back of our minds today that we thought would be interesting to bring up. It's kind of a bundle of things that could be very broad and we could break it down to be very specific. Today we want to talk about morality. 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 Boom, boom, boom. So, let's just jump right into it, I guess. Seth, define morality. So, in my words, in my in own your words, words, you can Google it. So, when I think of the word morality, I think of like an un an unspoken list of rules that humans just generally follow. Um, that's inside. Personally, I do believe it is from a higher power. Um, that higher power being Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> But I do believe uh, that it's almost like an unspoken, unwritten rule of thumb around people. Like, you know, holding the door for someone. No one tells you that that's a nice thing to do. You just, you know, kind of do it and people appreciate it. You know, so it's a good thing to do. Uh, well, whereas, you know, kicking a cane from underneath an old woman is seen as a bad thing to do. No one tells you it's a bad thing to do. But, it, you know, you just feel it's a bad thing to do when you do it. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, you just kind of feel Morality. Morality is kind of inside of you. It's not really a thing you can right. learn, I don't think, at least. Well, not in all aspects, at least. Yeah, it's very complex when you get down into the logistics. So the Google definition is principles concerning the distinction between right and wrong or good and bad behavior, which is, in summary, what you said. So do you think that morality is objective or subject to change with time? I definitely think it's subject to change over time okay. um, because you could have said that in the 1800s, like a moral person owned slaves. Now, nowadays we're like morally that's wrong yet back in the day, owning slaves was kind of just like the norm and people didn't really see it as a thing that was wrong. They saw it as like a normal thing, you know, not that it was good. It was not good. It was not, you know, as a person of color, it was not a good thing, but, uh, I definitely think morality is subject to change. Um, Yeah, that's what I have to say. Yeah, I agree with that. To clarify, though, you would agree that there is a set of objective morals that God has set. Yes. Yeah. The tricky thing is a lot of times people will throw that out and be like, "God's God's morals are objective. You can't change them, which is true. However, there is an aspect of mystery to God. And a lot of times we, honestly, in this life, we may, we may never know, you know, God's position on a certain moral issue. That's why you have Christians nowadays who don't agree on certain things. If God's objective morality was so obviously present, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be having these denominational debates or even these political debates within the church. Now, don't get me wrong. Some things are definitely so clear and so black and white in the Bible. You know, you have murder being wrong. You have sexual immorality being wrong. Obviously, immorality 
um, you have you have like these things that Jesus lays out super clearly. But what about the things that are just arising now in the 21st century? How do we handle that? This actually makes me think of a quote that I had seen a while back, which is a famous quote by Immanuel Kant. It says, Two things fill the mind with ever new and increasing admiration and awe. The more often and steadily we reflect upon them. The first one is the starry heavens above me, and the second is the moral law within me. So those two things, essentially what Kant is saying here is that those two things offer proof for God's existence because they, they perplex the mind. The two things is the beautiful portrayal of the stars and the moral law written on everyone's heart. And this is going back to what you said about it is a universal law pretty much internally that to steal something is wrong or to kick the cane under an elderly person is wrong. Like to kill someone is wrong. So we all know these things. These things have been written on our hearts and the Bible does say that the law has been written on our hearts. But what about the minor issues? Mm. How do we tackle those? Mm. Do you have any like thoughts or advice on that? I, I think when it comes to because, of course, it's really easy to look at big things and say that this is this is morally wrong. You know, uh, looking at like what, you know, Kanye's recent uh, issues, you know, saying the whole thing with uh, the Nazis. Of course, that is morally we look at that and we're like, man, that's saying that's wrong. The man he's talking about murdered a bunch of people. That's wrong. That is obviously a morally uh wrong that a lot of people see as wrong yeah however if you were to say like oh uh if you see someone who's who commits something very smaller you know like maybe a salesperson or maybe uh some 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 type of some type of act in like law i'm not saying that all salespeople and and lawyers are are, are awful people i was a salesman at one point so yeah that was not uh, a good time <laughs> but you can say that you know is trying to get a sale over on someone just for money, you know, morally correct? Or is it fine because that person knows they're getting something sold to them anyway? True. That's why I think every single major in college should take an ethics class because there is ethics involved in every single uh, form of work out there. Mm-hmm. So something that I've been hearing a lot, especially among older generations, is that the world is delving deeper and deeper into immorality and it's almost like we're too far gone at this point and they're saying mm. oh jesus is going to come back because it's so obvious that the world is just getting worse and worse and you know initially i i would agree with that i think we're just we're losing a sense of of um, certain values that have traditionally been upheld but also to think about it like there are so many things now that we have progressed in that for hundreds of years in the past, we have gotten wrong. So in that sense, we've almost been morally evolving in a good way that is closer to God's heart. God never had a heart for slavery, and yet it was going on for hundreds of years. And so now, you know, we've moved closer to God's heart because we've made that illegal, obviously. So like that is a form of moral evolution. Do you think that morality is slipping from our grasps or do you think we're getting a better sense of it it's a lot i know i think it genuinely 
it genuinely depends on what you see as morality coming out of our grasp because you could say that there's a lot of bad things happening in the world, but is that due to a lack of morality or have bad things always been happening? There have always been bad things in the world, but do the really bad things happening nowadays mean that we're falling farther from morality or is it just that since there's so many people, so much oversaturation, so many things to look at, it's, it's just that we have no clear grasp on morality rather than we're losing it. You know what? Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> That's such an interesting point. I've heard so many people use the argument against God's existence to be like, oh, God can't exist because there's starving people all over the world. You know, how could a God exist if these people are in poverty? And you know what? That is the fault of humanity. Hmm. The reason that other countries are in poverty or there are people around the world who are starving and lacking of necessity is because humans take from other humans Mm. and certain groups take from other groups and they selfishly take and take and certain countries cough America, you know, will get very obsessed with like the consumerism culture and just take and take. And we're using up the world's resources for instant gratification. Mm. And so because of that, we have these worldwide issues that no one is ready to talk about. It is a humanity sin nature problem. Dang, she's going off, man. Well, do you agree? I I agree. I just I think I love I love seeing you. I think it's attractive when you get (laughs) you get really into it. (laughs) Well, so well now I'm off track. (laughs) What do you think? Um, here's something that uh. Here's something that uh, a verse I want to bring up real quick. Uh, it's in Corinthians. Uh, it says this. It's in Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. This is probably the one most people have heard from the Bible. I mean, besides John three sixteen. Well, of course, yeah. But like, <laughs> okay, not the biggest verse ever, but when it comes to morality, this is probably the biggest one. So what? how do you see that? How do you see that? It links to the verse that iron sharpens iron. If you want to maintain your values and maintain your morality, you need to surround yourself with good people. Mm. And that's not to say to isolate yourself from uh, people who are different than you or people who think differently than you because it's super important to have people in your life who are from all walks of life. You know, Jesus hung out with the broken people who were living a lifestyle that he did not approve of and he still hung out with them and he did not judge them for that and he loved on them so obviously we need to replicate that but i think your main friend group and the main people you have in your life should be people who are going to encourage you in a christ-like manner yeah and 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 ultimately the morals you have deep down inside if when they're planted inside of you they likely stay there for a long time um you know, I know a lot of people who in my life who have just fallen or strayed from the morals that they grew up with. Uh, when when I think about the thing, bad company ruins good morals, I don't think that what that means is that it takes your morals away. Because quite frankly, I think most people who do sin and surround themselves with sin really know it's wrong and surround themselves because they know that if there's others around them who sin as well, it'll make them feel better about it. Um mm. Yeah, that's that's and, a good point. And, however, they deep down 
you'll feel that sense of like, you know, like if, if you're ever out with a group of friends and you're like, oh, let's just go do something stupid. Deep down, you're like, oh, what are my parents going to think when I come home? <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to get in trouble. I feel so terrible. But it's like that with God. You're like, God does not like this. And I know that. I know that this is not good for me. Most of the times, people know that type of stuff. Like people really think that people who do drugs and uh, drink don't know that it's not great for them. Of course they know this. You know, it's not It's not always about knowing whether it's good or bad for you. Sometimes it's the idea of surrounding yourself with people who are going to tell you stop or not, you know? And of course it comes down to your opinion at the end of the day. But like this is saying, if you surround yourself with other drinkers, with other people who do drugs, with other people who watch pornography, you're going to be doing those things a lot. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, you can't keep telling yourself that you're going to be an influence on them or you're going to be a light to them. Oh my God, because, the whole I can change them. Uh, yeah, that's a big thing that I grew up with. I grew up watching yeah. a lot of those Christian movies with really bad acting. And the message that I received from that was, go be a light in a place where there is no light. And yeah, that's technically true, but it's not going to happen like it does in the movies. You're not going to, you know, stand up in the middle of a class where your professor is going to be like, denounce God right now or you're going to get kicked out of the class. And you stand up and you're like, I believe in God. Like, you're not going to convert the professor. Mm. And mm. that is like the mentality that I <laughs> grew up with. And that's nobody's fault. It's just kind of the media that I chose to consume when I was mm. younger. And also like in my church and stuff, like I grew up at a time when those movies were really booming in church, um, especially in youth group. Like we would all take a field trip to go to the movies and watch like God's Not Dead or something like that. And um, they set up really false expectations for me. And so I would go into these places and, you know, where people were very different from me and be like, I can change them, blah, blah, blah. And first of all, you should never go into a friendship or relationship with the intention of changing somebody because that is so immoral and kind of gross. What you should do is befriend them, love them, hear their perspective. And if they ask you questions, answer their questions. But otherwise, just seek a genuine friendship. Yeah, like Paul says it in, I think it's either Galatians or Philippians. Maybe it's Ephesians. But he says, you know, okay, to sit with the off. sinner, to sit with the sinner, um, talk to them. Don't fall into that same sin that they are in, right? But to listen to them and hear them out and talk to them. Talk to them, you know, be be surrounded with them. Um, yeah, that was good. That was good. Good you brought mm -hmm. up. That was good. And also Paul talks about respecting other people's convictions because among the Christian community, we are going to have so many different convictions. Some people choose not to drink. Some people choose to drink in moderation. Mm -hmm. And Paul says that you should respect the other person's conviction. So if you are with someone who chooses not to drink at all, you shouldn't have a drink in front of them. Mm -hmm. Because A, that's going to tempt them, and B, that's just kind of disrespectful. And yes, we should all, all always, always respect others' convictions and understand the convictions. However, we also need to understand that there's a time where it comes between what is a conviction and what is someone trying to tell themselves that this is right when it is not right? You know, like it says in Isaiah, uh, woe, I think it's woe to those who call evil good, and those who call good evil. Yep. Um, those who put darkness, or let me pull it up, I think, because I want to say it correctly. Fifth chapter. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. 
who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Ooh. Powerful. I like the bittersweet part. <laughs> <laughs> you um. guys, Seth, just did a little jazz hand. It was really cute. <laughs> but um, I think, I think looking at that, when you when I when I see that and when I hear that, what I think is, many people can look at it and think, oh, how is someone gonna confuse evil with good and good with evil? That's so hard. But you you think about it and you're like, hmm, someone can be saying things like, oh. Well, it's just the way I am, so I have to keep doing it. It's just the way I've been, or, you know, this seems much more fun. This seems like it might help me in a different way, you know. And sometimes the things that you think will give you pleasure aren't always the things that are good for you. Pleasure doesn't always equal good. doesn't always equal fine-tuned morality. Sometimes that same pleasure is what's actually taking you further from Christ. In fact, oftentimes that pleasure is what's taking you further from Christ. Yeah. Or that overindulgence in that pleasure. And I think that that is the big problem with the place that morality is at in our modern culture, at least in America. I feel, yeah. I don't feel like it's right for me to speak on behalf of the rest of the entire world because, you know, I haven't really visited other countries and whatever. I think it's safe to just kind of stay within the realm of our area. Our modern American media is super, super pleasure-focused, instant gratification, like, you know, and also very looks-oriented. Do, do you think that's fair? I do think that's fair. Yeah. And that's a problem because when you go into something, when you, um, when you are advertising media that is so pleasure-focused and focused on instant gratification – you're going to leave your audience craving more and hungry for more, even though you just delivered something. It's like the thing with the iPhone. Like, as cliche as it is, there's gonna there's a new iPhone coming out every year, and no one is satisfied with the one that they have. Mm-hmm. And that's what the media has become. And I think that's why, in certain ways, we are becoming more immoral as a society, because we're so we don't care about the the steps that it takes to get our instant gratification we just want it we don't care who we're hurting or mm. what we have to do in the process we just want to feel that feeling and then after that yeah. feeling we want to feel it again and it's the same process all over again and the pleasure is never as good as it is the first time you know the pleasure you're trying to feel is never as good as it is the first time you want to elaborate um, on that well when it comes to things such as drugs or such as getting drunk or such such as you know pornography or whatever the pleasure you feel that first time usually it's going to be very rare you'll feel it as good as it was that first time and you're gonna want it to feel better and you might and it might honestly never feel as good as it did that first time and so the re and so a big reason of why people get like so addicted you know is is because they want to recapture that so they'll throw everything else out they'll start doing things that are shady to try and get what they want, you know, which is why you think, oh, how could someone buy this illegally or do this illegally or, or so why does someone who knows this is wrong keep doing it? Mm-hmm. Because of that. They want to capture that feeling again. And they know that at least even if they don't capture that feeling, that the tiny bit of feeling is better than nothing. It's really hard as someone on the outside to understand why someone with an addiction would, you know, go back to that ad- addiction people struggling with pornography, people on the outside will say, well, why can't you just stop watching it? 
because it has the same effect on your brain as drugs. Like, it's an addiction, and it takes time and energy and immense spiritual discipline to stop. And people are not empathetic with that. And unfortunately, that is only adding to the problem. On the topic of pornography, I do want to talk about a little bit about it today. I think since we're in the idea of morality, I think we can bring that up because pornography is something that is really difficult to be seen as a good or to be seen as a bad thing in society, or at least as a thing that needs to be focused on. Mm-hmm. And I personally do believe that pornography is morally a horrible thing. Yeah, people look over it all the time, and it is a major, major, like, I will use the word drug, and it's, people just glance over it like it's nothing, like it's normal. <sighs> One of the biggest verses that I that I go to when it comes to, like, the idea of pornography and, you know, self-pleasuring uh, is in Corinthians uh, 6.18. This flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Mm-hmm. Now, whew, first of all, that's incredibly intense. But uh, <laughs> but also, I think the idea of, of personal sexual immorality really comes from the idea of not doing it first off, not being... not pleasuring not being pleasured sexually in a way that's good to god but also not in a way that's pleasuring to the person you're with you know mm-hmm. um and i believe pornography and masturbation are things that we need to stray from because we focus so much on it i think in today's society pornography is such a normal thing masturbation is such a normal thing and i'm glad that as of recent people are starting to see it as more of an addiction as, as a real real like epidemic that like people go through um, but it still is often made fun of, uh, not seen as like, like being true, not seeing it as being really a, a big deal. Or on the opposite side, it's shamed. Yeah. Or it's, or when you talk about it, it's like you watch porn, you watch pornography, you watch this. It's, it's something that is, it is either seen as something that's you're like, it's too gross to even focus on, or it's not really that important and everyone does it, you know, and, and that's not a good way to look at it. Because what if instead of pornography, it was like something else that was really bad? I don't want to make a super slippery slope with this, but say it was like something like cocaine or it was something like heroin, you know? You'd be like, oh, well, everyone does it, you know? So uh, why should I care about it? Or you'd be like, oh, it's too disgusting. I don't care about it anyway. Just because some, just because you see something as disgusting or like not as, a, or like not as important, but it's just something disgusting that everyone does, doesn't mean it's okay. Right. <laughs> doesn't mean it's something that's great because we still get told multiple times in like uh, the writings that Paul does in the New Testament about the ideas of sexual immorality and how they're so harmful, how sexual immorality is a different kind of sin. Mm-hmm. It's not just, a, as it says here, it is not just a sin that you put outward, that others can see. You can't always see sexual immorality. You can't. Sometimes sexual immorality is all up here. It's all in your head. Sexual immorality isn't always just banging on someone's chest. You don't always got like a, a piece of paper on their back that says, uh, you know, I, I'm... I'm sexually immoral. Yeah. It's so, sometimes it's deeper than that. And sometimes that can, you can even find that that can be generational. You know, fi- find that the yeah. issues you have with, with pornography can come from a person before uh, or, and you know, maybe you pass that down to someone else 
afterward. Yeah. Um, that's why I think it's important to really talk about it in society. It's so important. And it's really sad when something is generational because a lot of times when you notice something that your parent does or an authority figure in your life does and you say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try my best to stray from that because I don't want to repeat those mistakes. You oftentimes inevitably go through those same mistakes because you're constantly telling yourself that it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And you stress yourself out to the point where it's only inevitable. Um, so I think that's something that our generation needs to do a good job of. Something your pastor said that I thought was so wise is that the most honorable thing you can do is to learn from your parents and to take things that you loved about their parenting and also to take things that you didn't love and to make that your own, you know, when you have your own family one day. And because the Bible says not to dishonor your parents, but it's not dishonorable mm -hmm. to do that. It's actually the most honorable thing you can do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that our generation needs to stop holding so much anger against generational sins because, yeah, a lot of times we are in really bad situations and there is nothing we can do about our parental situations or the way our parents handle things. All we can do is take from it, learn from it, understand where they're coming from, and like just do our best to not replicate the things that we weren't fond of. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I agree with that, you know, uh, uh, and, and, you know, you even look at it when it comes to the idea of that inner feeling, like it says in, says in Peter, First Peter, uh, I urge you to abstain from sinful desires which wage sin, which wage war against your soul. Um, That's take powerful. The, take these, take these, you know, and, and take, take these sinful desires. And, and I love how it says it wages war, not just against you, against your soul it's deeper than just the outer the outer look of you it, it's deeper than right. that there's more there there's more meat there i personally believe that this particular type of sin is something that is important that we need to take seriously and i'll leave it at that because i do want to have our own full episode on that in particular yeah we can definitely expand on that like that specific sin in another episode or mm -hmm. the idea of sexual immorality in, in our day and age. So just to conclude, once again, we do not have a black and white answer, sorry guys, for whether morality is evolving or devolving because you know we have things that have progressed so well and you know America is a, a place where all people have opportunities and it's it's a very um, it's it's an exciting place where people can work towards their goals. But at the same time, we still have these issues that are kind of intensifying as years go on and as the media glorifies these issues. So all we can do is pray about them, continue to have conversations about them, continue to educate people on, you know, what is morality, what is objective versus subjective morality, and get people to think critically because that is where change happens. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can hear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 just remember that your temp the temptations you feel and 
if you ever feel like you are an immoral person or you lack immoral or you lack morality and you feel like you're losing your grip on on those morals come back to god pray about it really bow your head pour pour your soul out because you'll you'll find you'll find your way back it won't be easy you'll find your way back all right guys thank you for listening so much thank you for listening <laughs> thank you we'll be back next tuesday next tuesday so thank you for tuning in and we shall see you in a bit don't forget to give us feedback on our social media and we look forward to the next episode of course bye guys goodbye bye